0: All right, everybody, welcome back to Meeting on the Mound, and this week we've got a special guest, Michael Kadire, and we are going to join up Meeting on the Mound to Inside the Helmet, because you Twins fans uh, that used to listen to Cuddy do the same thing, he had Inside the Helmet show. Uh, so thanks for tuning in, and Cuddy, thanks for being here, man, appreciate it.
1: My pleasure, dude. It was a long time ago, so you got to be a little older Twins <laughs> fans that, <laughs> that listen to it. So, uh, But it's good.
0: This is this is fun. So you're in town for this, uh, this Hall of Fame weekend. Really special weekend. Uh, get to see Joe Nathan and Jerry Bell go into the Hall of Fame, and uh, obviously you were just inducted a couple of years ago. But um, you know, let's start with that. What type of uh, honor is it one to be inducted? Obviously, but then you know, you got to introduce Joe Nathan yesterday, yeah. uh, so that had to be a pretty cool moment for you.
1: You know, it, it really is, and and you know, when you're when you're with an organization for a long time. Uh, you start to develop relationships. Not only relationships with the fans, um, but relationships with front office, relationships with the behind the scenes, the clubbies. And you you start to get an affection, especially when it's your first organization. I was with the organization for 14 years. And it meant a lot to me to know that I was just as appreciated as I appreciated the Twins organization. So to be inducted into Hall of Fame, obviously you got to you, know, you got to play well and perform out on the field, but to know that you've had an impact on people's lives as much as they had an impact on you, um, to, to finally have that culminate in a Hall of Fame induction is pretty special. And you know, now that some of my teammates are also getting inducted, um, to be able to, one, be here and see it is special you know, because it means a lot to them. And again, just everything I just said about myself, Joe was feeling the same emotions last night, and to be able to be, play a small part and introduce him into the Hall of Fame was um, a pretty cool honor.
0: Yeah, I mean, more than likely, this isn't going to be the last of your teammates either. <laughs> I mean, you guys had, you know, with the 10 years that you were with the Twins, uh, won the division, what, five, six times? Yes. and probably had some six. of the most successful uh, stretch in Twins history. So mm-hmm. uh, you might be back here a couple more times doing this. So, I mean, once again, like, just playing next to those guys. You know, mm-hmm. I I was lucky to play next to Joe for a few years, and just seeing, you know, that caliber of player day in and day out, uh, that had to really make that 10-year stretch pretty special.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, because we're in a smaller market and in the middle of the country, you know, you're not in New York and L.A., you don't get as much – recognition nationally. So we were always labeled as an overachieving team. You know, we never, you know, the expectations were, you know, maybe second, third in division uh, because we didn't make the splashy moves and things like that. But then you look back at our team and, you know, we had a two-time Cy Young award winner. Should have been three-time with Johan. We had a closer who from 2004 to 2009 led all of Major League Baseball in saves. We had two MVPs. We had Hall of Famers. I mean, <laughs> we were and then our 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 quote-unquote role players. You know, Jason Kubel had a couple 20 homer, 30 homer season, I had a 30 homer season, couple 20 homer seasons. We had we had a lot of talent. And I don't think we ever got enough credit for how good we were. Yeah, we 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 got credit for playing their game the right way and not making mistakes and that's all part of it. But I mean we had some really good baseball players and like you mentioned you know with Nathan being inducted last night Torrey inducted a few years ago and you know Morno is going to follow Maurer's already got his number retired but he's going to also go into the Hall of Fame so we're going to mm-hmm. start seeing guys from this era of twins baseball get inducted and get recognized for the body of work that they had.
0: So you bring up something you know interesting right you know you, you have so much success in the regular season and then you know it kind of gets to the wayside a little bit, but. That's just because of how important October is, right? I mean, you know, it's so many good teams, and unfortunately, the Yankees had the buzzsaw that they had. So, you know, as we, this team this year is going through, uh, you know, a really cool bounce back season over the last seven years to really turn this around and have this type of year, what type of advice would you give these guys? Uh, as we finish up and going into October. And, and maybe it's not making it too important, or maybe it's, you know, lasering the focus. And what would you say? Well,
1: was? I, I think it's a blend of both of those. You know, I think as far as laser focused, you, when, you, when you win a division or you get into the postseason, you've obviously got that part down because you're going to go through your ebbs and flows of the season where you're going to have to check back in. You know, sometimes, you know, the dog days or whatever it's called, you, you're going to find yourselves mentally, you're just not there. Some days, you know, you're gonna lose 60 games no matter what. Part of that is because you're not you're not focused. But in order to get into the postseason, you obviously know how to hone back in. But when you get into the postseason, you know it's finding a blend of yeah, not making the moment too big because that's part of it. Um, you know, I think a lot of times as as our run got going and we started getting into year four of making it a postseason and five making it a postseason we started putting make putting too much pressure on ourselves because we hadn't had success in 02 and 03 Mm -hmm. and 04 you know once we got there in 06 we were like all right we got to do this we get swept Mm -hmm. we get there in (laughs) 09 you know and and we're like we just made this run we're going into yankee stadium and we get beat and we, 2010, which is one of our better teams. And again, I, I think we made things a little too important. So it is finding a blend. Yes, it's a postseason. Yes, you got to be laser focused and hone in. But at the same time, you, you still just got to do what you've done for the last 162 games. These next four or five games, they're not, it's not life or death. And you got to play like that.
0: So the Twins is really the only organization that I know. Um, you know, I haven't played with anybody else. And I think one thing that, um really stands out about the twins is just the former players that come back mm-hmm. you know you even got guys like herbeck and oliva and yeah. and all the guys that hang around but um i've always thought that's cool you know now that joe's an alumni and and Morning's an alumni but you and Tori and all these guys always are coming back and and around the clubhouse and and when you can be available you're available with some, who were some of those alumni that were around during that stretch that uh, you guys were able to talk to, if any? Yeah,
1: well, I mean, Rod Rod's been coming back for a long, long time now, and I mean, he would always take you in the cage, whatever you needed. If he saw something, he'd go, "Let's go to the cage." I mean, you know, here you are, a guy who's not even been in the big leagues, never been in the big leagues, and Rod Carew <laughs> is taking an interest in you and wanting to work with you in the cage. So you know, like that. And I remember. I remember one spring training, I don't remember what year it was, but Jim Cott came to talk to the pitchers. And, you know, us as position players, we had what whatever it was, maybe first and third defense going on or whatever, getting in the cage. But, you know, I went up to Guardi and I was like, look, I'm not going out there with the position players today. I'm going to go listen to Jim Cott talk to the pitchers because that was my way of trying to learn, you know, What's going on through the minds of, of a pitcher and and that's the type of stuff that is unique to the twins. You don't see too many organizations bring back those players to be able to learn from and learn from different errors because you know at baseball as baseball evolves, it's always a mixture of what has happened in the past. Yes, it's a different game you know as it was in the sixties, but there are certain constants that go involved and to be able to hear what what his his thoughts and his Mindset was helped me in the box. So that was one. And, you know, as far as the organization being unique to do, that's a tribute to the Polad family and Dave St. Peter. You know, they've done a tremendous job of linking Twins history with the Twins current. And Mm -hmm. obviously being in Twins territory, it's a unique situation as well because of how vast it is Mm -hmm. and how passionate the fans are. You know, you go on caravan and you you go into the (laughs) – The schools and the the VFWs and the nursing homes you see how passionate these fans are and how vast the the area is they remember Mm -hmm. 1987 they remember 2002 2003 they remember the losing season so it's a unique blend and we're able to pull off that history and try and
0: help the future as well so I want to go back to a couple questions. One's about the minor leagues when you were playing in the minor leagues, but uh, I've asked just about everybody. Uh, obviously, the minor leagues are drastically different than when you played in it. You know, now we have dietitians and the food's different, it's <laughs> yeah. not just peanut butter There's and no jellies Mc- all the time. McDonald's, no McDonald's all the time. Starfish too. <laughs> um, what was the hardest part of the minor leagues for you? Ah, oh, man. Um, I, I would say. You know,
1: for me, I was young. I was 18, 19, 20, and 21 going through the minor leagues. So I didn't really going coming out of high school, I didn't really know what to expect. It's a little different when you're coming from a major university, you know, where you've got all those things implemented Mm -hmm. and then you come to minor leagues and and it wasn't, uh, you know, the same. But for me, it was kind of eyes wide open. I didn't really know what to expect going into it. Um, But I would have to say playing in high school, you're playing 21, 22 games. You know, and then maybe a few games in the summer, I think maximum I was playing probably 40, 45 games and there was spaced out through eight months of Mm -hmm. spring and summer. So to then go and and play 142 games, that was that was probably the hardest part. And learning what your body can can't handle what it needs to do you know there's so many you know the weight programs are so regimented in the minor leagues you you as a player you have to figure out what works for you because what what works for you strength and conditioning might not be the same Mm -hmm. for me and as a player individual you have to figure that out or you'll never make it up to the to the major leagues and to the big leagues so i think that was finding the blend of what i needed to do what i needed to work on how much I needed to concentrate on certain aspects of my game and my body and working out and and figuring that out, that was probably the toughest part.
0: So even today, you know, the the sports psychology, mental aspect of it has just blown up, and and we have Dr. Averman here basically every day, you know, if we need something. What were some of the, the biggest mental adjustments you had to make, whether it was in the minor leagues or during your, you know, 15 seasons in the big leagues? Yeah,
1: you know, in 2013... You know, I was 34 years old, and it was the first time I really checked into the mental side of the game. And now, I'm not talking about f- trying to figure out what the pitcher's trying to do to me, <laughs> mental side of it. But, <clears throat> you know, I think what you're alluding to, the self-talk and confidence. Um, that day, that year was the first time I would, I would actually go into a nap room about an hour before the game start, and I would you know, put a, my headphones in and have a meditation app for 20 minutes prior to the game. And what that meditation app was, was just reaffirming my confidence in myself and how good I am and how I deserved success. And just, I continued that self-talk throughout the whole game, you know, in baseball, especially as a position player, if you go 10 for 25 for a two week span, <clears throat> Ultimately, you're waiting for the next two weeks to go two for twenty five. You're just waiting <laughs> no for doubt. that new ne- the next year, waiting for the yeah. even out. Well, that that year was the first year of my career. Twelve years into it, ten years into it, where I was like, you know what, I, I, that other shoe doesn't have to drop. I've put just as much work in as everybody else. I deserve to be hitting three thirty. You know, lo and behold, I win the batting title, hit three thirty. The next year, I carry it over, hit three forty, and. You know, unfortunately, my body let me down at that point in my career. I was toward the end and wasn't able to, you know, play anymore. So I, I retired. But I wish I'd learned what I knew at 34. I wish I'd learned that at 24 on the mental side. So it's good to see that trend going into Major League Baseball, of you know how to deal with the ups and downs of the season, how to know that that feel confident in yourself and. And to go out there and and be able to flip the switch, so to speak. And you know, I used to say I always I, I tried to be one of the nicest guys in the world off the field, but when I got on the field, I almost saw started seeing black. Like as a different alter ego came, and um, <laughs> you know, that's it's good to see that trend taken taken in all of sports, not just Major League Baseball.
0: Uh, so you talked there right at the end about retirement. You know, we've we've always heard you know when we're in the game, obviously we're going to not be a baseball player a lot longer than we are a baseball player in life. Um, talk about just that last year and that decision to retire from the Mets. I mean, uh, it couldn't have been easy. You know, you yeah. still had, I think, what, one or two years yeah. left on a deal. Yeah. Um, not many guys would have just walked away. Yeah. Um, but share what you want to share about kind of that decision, and I'm sure it couldn't have been an easy one.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, 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 health was obviously an issue. Uh took a decent amount of cortisone shots to get through that season. Um, but more importantly, you know, at that point – My kids, my son, I believe, I mean, he was six, my girls were three or four, and I was starting to miss them too much. And coming to the field wasn't enjoyable anymore. I'm still not gonna say it felt like work or whatever, because you're still playing baseball, but it just wasn't enjoyable. I just didn't have fun. And I, the end of the season i was staring at double core surgery mm-hmm. um, so i knew i'd had an 8 month re or an 8 week rehab for that and then on top of that i have to get ready for 162 games with my heart not being into it mm-hmm. you know i always had at the end of the season i would always check myself in three different categories mental physical and emotional I always felt like if I had two of those <clears throat> at the end of the season, I'd be able to overcome the third that I didn't have because I never had all three. I wasn't always <laughs> always invested, but I felt like if I was healthy enough and I loved it still, mentally I was fried, I could you know recharge or whatever. But after that season, I was mentally exhausted, done, mentally checked out. Physically, I was a wreck, and emotionally I wanted to be home. Mm. So I'd, it wasn't fair to myself, it wasn't fair to my family, and it wasn't fair to the Mets to um, – to play the next year and kind of go through the motions, so it was it was a tough decision walking away from the only thing I ever knew, mm-hmm. but an easy decision because it was never who I was. Sure, you know, it's just what I, I did and I played and I enjoyed doing it, but it, it never defined me. So I, I never had to struggle with my identity after that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, before we get into the last little part of of a little game. What's keeping you busy these days? You know, obviously you're, uh, you work here with the organization a little bit, being a yep. special assistant. Um, what else keeps you busy? Other, I mean, obviously family's going to keep you yeah. busy. I'm sure that's yeah. going to be the main one. But yeah. uh, give the fans a little bit of an idea of, of what Michael Takedire is into these days. Yeah, well, my son's
1: 11, so um, spring baseball season just ended up. I'm assistant coach on his baseball team. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, is when winter he's also going to play a little fall baseball and some golf and when winter rolls around i coach the basketball team his basketball team as well so i got a buddy of mine who we assistant coach we flip-flop he just head coach one year i head coach one year my girls uh they do some gymnastics and, and other things so i'm i'm in the car a lot when school's over oh yeah <laughs> um But when school's in you know i it's pretty nice i'm a member of a golf club i didn't play golf when i when i played baseball but now that i've retired you know it felt like it was the natural thing to do that everybody do is fall into golf and it has kind of replaced that grinding you know we always grind baseball players we're used to grinding our whole lives Mm -hmm. so i kind of can grind on the golf course now so i'll drop the kids off at school go play 18 eat some lunch and be there when they get home from school, and I nice. do that about three days a week when they're in school. So,
0: man, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's not <laughs> not a bad not a bad way to live. <laughs> All right, so to wrap up here, uh, I'm gonna name uh, the year. Not always the position, but the year and a few stats about one of your prior teammates. Okay. You've got 14 or 15 years to go over here. So I picked five of them. All right. And we're going to span from the beginning almost to the end. All right. Okay. Uh, we might get a little bit easy here at the beginning, but then we'll try to get a little bit harder. But the first one uh, is going to be a layup, especially once I get to the last one. But 2006, 190 hits, 34 homers, and he won an MVP. Morning. Justin Morno yeah. Absolutely. 2008. This pitcher was 11 and four with a three, four, five ERA and 172 innings.
1: Whew, um, 2008.
0: Uh, Baker Scott Baker. Baker Very yeah. good. Very good. <laughs> All right. So this is going back a little bit earlier. 2004. Uh, this player had 10 homers, 19 doubles and caught 152 games for your division-winning twins.
1: 2004, yeah. Henry Blanco. Yes,
0: very good, very good. <laughs> I was trying to trick you up there a little bit with you know, ma- Now ma- ma- I got hurt time, like two days into right. the season,
1: and Henry Blanco, that's how he actually got his option picked up and was out of here after that. So. Oh, okay.
0: All right, 2014, this Rockies player had 171 hits, 19 homers, and 27 doubles. In
1: 2014, 19
0: homers. Man, too low? No, no, no! This guy's still doing it. Charlie Black. Charlie
1: Blackman had 19 yes. homers and 14. Yeah, yeah.
0: very uh, young into his career. Then, yep. I believe one yep. of his first couple years. Yeah. Uh, last one here to your Mets time, 2015. This guy had 26 homers, 33 doubles, and 157 games.
1: 157.
0: 20. How many homers? 26 homers.
1: Ah man, Lucas Duda.
0: No, no very close. Curtis Granderson. God, coming up yeah. on 400 homers by the way yeah he's, really... he's had
1: an unbelievable career i mean what and the nicest guy i think in the history of the world i think he when he goes to bed and, and dreams i think he dreams of care bears jumping <laughs> on the clouds
0: that's <laughs> that's the, so much charity work all around oh, the, he's all around the world man he's, he's, uh, he's incredible but he is amazing Cuddy, uh i really appreciate you coming on man uh enjoy the rest of hall of fame weekend here and uh i'm sure we'll be seeing you in the next couple of months coming back for october hopefully
1: all right man appreciate it good job